some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. A quick programming note. Tonight at 7 p.m. Central, it is Bears Country Podcast. Dan Aguad, I think Dan, Dan is going to be on tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Nomad and uh, Mr. Shorty will definitely be on, and they'll be talking about the previous game, their overall disappointment with the Chicago Bears, and uh, get into uh, what the offseason might look like. But right now, we have got the expert of all experts, Greg Gabriel, is here to talk Chicago Bears. Greg, how was your Christmas? Uh, good. How about yeah. you? Mine was outstanding. Look at what I got. I'm wearing it right now. I got a uh, vintage, authentic uh, Chicago Bears jersey, a sweatshirt from uh, the 50s or something like that. It looks and feels great. I, I'm freezing my ass off. I got this damn vest on for outside. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have family over? On Saturday night, mm-hmm. the grandkids are in town. Uh, had them over, and then uh, we went over there for dinner last night uh my kids in buffalo were stuck in their homes because they got Mm -hmm. you know hit with another storm they're on opposite sides there's a travel ban at least through tomorrow still and i you know and actually even though there's not as much snow as three weeks ago Mm -hmm. it's worse because the the one three weeks ago really didn't hit it, it hit the south part of the city didn't hit the northern suburbs at all and then in the south suburbs, and, and the suburbs do a great job cleaning up the snow. Mm-hmm. This one hit all over. And, you know, so the city's blocked in. The immediate north and south suburbs are all blocked in. So it's been, I got 16 people died. Wow, that's unbelievable. It was funny. I, I heard uh, Devin Singletary after the Bears-Bills game say that it was colder in Chicago, for at least for that game, than it was in Buffalo. Oh, it's always colder in Chicago. Yeah. It's never, never. I lived here now 21 years. It never gets anywhere near as cold in Buffalo as it does here. Mm-hmm. And a lot more snow, but the cold, ooh. Like, you know, it's rare that you get below zero in Buffalo. You might get two days all year. And, and and we had two days in a row, and it was when I got up, the one day I think it was minus 11 when I got up. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I, uh, uh, I'm i glad that uh, the worst of the weather, at least here in Chicago, appears to be over, and we should be, be getting some nice temperatures in a few days. And I want to thank everyone in the chat room and those like Free Palestine who are letting people know about this show. Uh, he's a big promoter of this show. Thank you, Free Palestine, and thank you, everyone else. Hope everyone had a good holiday or is having a good holiday. I know that's, some of that stuff is still going on. Um, Greg, I want to start with talking about this game on Saturday the Bills thoroughly showed the Chicago Bears just what a talented roster looks like, didn't they? Well, I, I agree and disagree, and here's why. I mean, the Bears played them even, if not better, in the first half. You did? Okay, and, and the, the Bills made their adjustments, and then the, the difference in rosters took over so to speak, in the second half. And, you know, the Bears are playing for pride. The Bills are playing for home field advantage. Big difference. And, and that, that has been their, their drive since day one. 
mm-hmm. this year is not only win their division, which they won a week ago, it's the, you know, have that home field advantage so they don't have to go to Kansas City or Cincinnati or someplace in the, in the AFC championship game because they want to get to the Super Bowl. And if they have home field advantage, they got a damn good chance of getting to the Super Bowl. Mm. Well, and I mean, I've been saying it since the beginning of the season that the Bills have looked at many times like the best team in the National Football League. So I'll be surprised if they don't, uh, at the very least, make. Here I am. There you go. I thought I might have to do this by myself. Would you would you uh, like to fly solo one day? No. Because <laughs> I can't ask myself questions. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing about uh, one of the frustrating things about Sunday's game or Saturday's game for me, uh, Greg. And again, I hate to uh, question play calling because I know so much goes into that behind the scenes. But it sure does seem like the last two or three games, Luke Getze has gotten very, very conservative. Okay, I'm going to answer that right off the bat. Okay. Everything, it had everything to do with the weather on this past week. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never played in conditions that bad. And I've been on the field when it's been that bad. We played um, Atlanta when I was working and it was, and I was on the field a good part of the game. And it was single digits like it was, but it was a night game. Atlanta put up the white flag after about the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, like Michael Vick was the quarterback. That's how long ago it was. And, and we killed him. But not only was it cold and you had a wind chill of around, what, minus 10, minus 11, something like that. Right. But the wind was swirling. And you just, you can't keep yourself warm. The ball feels like a damn rock. <laughs> Okay, and so, you know, both teams look sloppy. Josh Allen looked like he had his worst game of the year. And I've seen every one of their games. And you attributed 90% of that to the weather. Now, defensively, the Bills did a good job. Uh, I know Flew saluted to it, but you could see it on tape. They were spying on him and really two spies, a good Mm -hmm. part of the game. And... Uh, and as Flew said, they executed it very well. Leslie Frazier does an excellent job with that team. But on top of that, they got a lot of speed on defense. They sure Real did. lot of speed on de- defense. And so, you know, they were able to take away that threat of fields running. But I don't think, given the weather conditions, the threat was as big as it normally would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you you know, this week you're going into Detroit, you're playing in a dome. I think you're going to see an entirely different situation. And speaking of Detroit, you know, they had been playing good football. They go down and play Carolina. Carolina runs for like 260 in the first half. I don't first even half. Know. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what the final stats were. I just know they killed them in the first half and ended up, you know, killing them for the game. Detroit made a little bit of a comeback, but still didn't make it close i wonder what happened to detroit from one week to the next and are they gonna play a good game against the bears i know the fans right now want them to lose out the 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 wish is play good but lose 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've heard that about a million times, and I, I think I've uttered it a few times myself. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't go with my thinking. I, yeah. I'll take two wins. You know, put it this way. I've already done some of the math. Even if they went out, the worst they can be is the seventh pick. Oh, okay, which is not at all bad. Uh, I think Leonard Floyd was the seventh uh, pick overall. In no, he was, he was 10. Okay, 10. Who, who was – Might have been nine, might have been nine, but uh, – because um, I think they jumped ahead of the New York Giants because the Giants were going to – Jerry Reese was there then, and Jerry's a good friend of mine, and, and uh, the Giants were going to take him. The Bears moved up, I think, two spots to snatch him. Okay. Well, I want to play a couple of uh, sound bites from the Buffalo Bills. This is Justin Pointer, uh, the safety for the Buffalo Bills, and this is him talking about the game plan from the Chicago Bears' po uh, point of view. You know, shut down the run game and force him to be one-dimensional and, and force you know, their quarterback in situations that he doesn't want to be in, You know, those third and long, second and long situations. And so um, you know, I think we had to get a feel for what they were trying to do to us early. Um, we probably expected a little bit more zone read, quarterback keep, quarterback power type runs. Um, but, you know, they kept coming back to some of the same runs, and we were able to to finally stop. You know, after that first drive, we settled down a little bit, um, and we were able to make some plays on the run game and force them into situations they didn't want to be in. And so I think that's my point there, uh, Greg, is that the, the run game with Justin Fields has been taken away since he had that AC joint injury, that shoulder injury, whatever it was. And that is a huge part of this Bears offense that has been eliminated. And therefore, this offense the last couple of games has, has been anemic compared to that four or five game stretch where they were averaging about 30 points a game. Well, again, I'm going to go back. The weather played into it, number one. But number two your top three receivers are out of the game too now. I mean, yeah. so, and, and you had another makeshift offensive line. And I just, I, I watched up until about midway through the third quarter, right before we came on, because I wanted to watch Borum at guard. And, and really that's what I concentrated. And by the way, Iceland actually played two full series in the first quarter and going into the second quarter. He didn't play after that up until I stopped playing. And I didn't even notice that he was in on, on Saturday, to tell you the truth. Uh, but And I don't know if something happened to Schofield that he had to sit out those two series, but Iceland wasn't that bad. And actually, Borum, I think, more than held his own. He had the holding call on the, on the touchdown drive. And that really, I, I don't think that was a good call. Actually, it was a good play by the defensive lineman to go in for him and he and, and Borum lost his uh, balance. They called him for holding. They got the touchdown, so it didn't matter. Um, but for a guy who has I, – I don't think he's played that position since he was like a freshman in college. Yeah. So um, that was encouraging. What I didn't like, and he may be for this particular scheme, the way you got to play out in space, if mm -hmm. you're a guard, is that when he did have to play in space, his ability to adjust on the move was average. Mm -hmm. But in tight, as far as pass blocking, run blocking in tight, he was fine. Yeah. Eberflus did uh, respond to a question uh, regarding Dieter Iceland and why he got the snaps that he did. And Eberflus uh, uh, 
reference practice that he had a very good week of practice and was asked, is he going to see more snaps this season or, or get into the game at all? And again, he replied, uh, practice. If he practices uh, well or better than the other guys, he'll see some time in there. So that's you know, uh, I personally like that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's dangled carrot. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. want to play, you got to practice good. Right. And, and you and I talked a little bit about that last week, and you made reference to Lawrence Taylor was one of the rare examples. You give him a pass, even if he shows up to practice with handcuffs. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what it is, is that you find out this, – don't forget, this is this regime's first year here. Mm-hmm. And you find out who you can trust and who are your players who aren't your players. And then once you're into it, and sometimes it might take a couple of years – Mm-hmm. You know, then they're they're going to be guys that, um, who who you might throw pass at, you know, and just say, hey, you know, if he has a bad day, so what? Because you know that he's going to show up on Sunday. And the most important thing is that he not only plays well, but he doesn't have busted assignments. Right. And so and so that's the most important thing. Uh, somebody that I didn't see the name said Leatherwood didn't get any snaps. Well, he didn't deserve any snaps after the week before. Oh, you ain't kidding. And, and um, you know, I, I, I've been saying all year, I think he's a, uh, um, a left guard, but they put Borum there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I said, I thought Borum more than held his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something to watch the next two games. To mm-hmm. see how he holds up, because now, like I said, he hasn't played it in probably six years. That position is six years at least, and so I, I think going forward, now that he's got a game under his belt, let's see what he does the next two games. I mean, Detroit and and Minnesota, are, much as I hate to say, Detroit pretty good. They've been pretty good the last half of the season. They have, and uh, and, uh, and we know Minnesota is, but you know, Minnesota for the people that want the second draft choice. Minnesota might be laying down and playing dead in that last game. Mm-hmm. They may be locked into their seed and a win means nothing. And mm-hmm. we're not going to know that for another week. Bellissimo has a question for you. He says, Greg, can I ask the value of placing a, a high value on practice, which is reduced contact for league reasons versus actual snaps when they're in the game? Well, I think I know what he means. It, and it's, do you practice good? Are you paying attention? Are you going full out? Yeah, granted, you, you have very – in fact, right now you have probably have no contact or very minimal contact because you're only allowed, I think, 14 contact days once – what they call full contact days. Right. Once camp uh, is done. Now, they can wear shells and, and do some things, and uh, but it's not, you know, real football. But it's paying attention to detail – hustling and you know not making mistakes not dropping passes and speaking of drop passes Bayless Jones finally had some success yes he did now what I want to see is what happens to him after having that success because I've been saying all along here that I think he needs to have some to grow Mm-hmm. And he did. He had a nice catch. He had some nice returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't have any, he, he put it this way, didn't have any bad plays. 
Yeah. In my eyes, he was the offensive player of the game and the special teams player of the game. I, I really do believe that. I mean, I, he only had two catches, but one was that very explosive 40-plus yard uh, catch, and another one was a nice eight-yard reception. Um, I'd love to see him targeted more. And it is interesting. Uh, one of the sound bites that I want to play for you is Justin Fields talked about how if he, if this team doesn't run the ball well, you it, it's it, – it's very difficult for them to get explosive plays. Let's listen to Justin Fields. I mean, yeah, but I'm not going to, you know, the reality of it is I'm not going to be running for 100 yards a game. So, you know, when a defense does a good job of, you know, taking my legs away, then my job is to, like I said before, you know, take a defender with me, maybe take two with me, and then allow the running backs to work. Um, I felt the first drive, I felt like we were, you know, explosive plays, explosive runs and stuff like that. And then after that, I don't think we, uh, you know, ran the ball well. You know, the, the run game makes everything easier. Like, Demo had that explosive run in the first drive of the game. So, of course, you know, whenever we can have those types of plays, it always helps the offense be more explosive. This is a running team, right, Greg? I mean, yeah, I mean they don't they don't have the, the receiver core right now, especially now with guys down. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do anything different, you know, you you want to see what some of these guys can do. Can can they show up and and make some plays? Uh, but conditions are going to play into it. Now again, we're indoors next week, so there is no excuse. You can't say the weather mm-hmm. and the the air conditioning isn't going to be blowing too hard. You know, <laughs> take the wind anywhere. And then the following week, the preliminary forecast for the following week is like mid thirties. Yeah. Uh, who knows if that's that, you know, it's still 13 days away. Who knows if that's going to hold up, but you know, we're not going to have anything like we saw on Saturday. No, no, we're not. Um, let's talk defense because I thought that the defense had a fan- fantastic first half and really played uh, at, in spots well in the third quarter. The amount of points the Bills scored really wasn't indicative as to how well this defense played, and they took the ball away from a Bills team that is, you know, usually pretty good at protecting the ball. What are your overall thoughts about the Bears' defense? Oh, I, I, I think, you know, I look at the defense and I just see a defensive line that's not productive. And so I think that's the number one priority going into the offseason. And you might need as many as four players, Mm -hmm. you know, three to four new players between free agency and the draft. And the linebacker group, I think will be fine. And the, in all honesty, I'm excited about the secondary. They only had one veteran playing back there. Yeah. You know, and and they're playing with all these rookies Mm -hmm. and, oh yeah, granted they get, they get beat every once in a while. They're rookies. They're supposed to get beat. But they show up, you know, they're making some plays and they're doing some things and you're going, wow, I mean, these guys got some talent. Yep. And and they're all athletic. I'm not, you can't take anything away from them. I mean, these guys are all, the corners are all sub four or five guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Bellissimo uh, asked, what's the difference in not having Sanborn out there among the linebackers? Um, he's very, very instinctive. I'm going to use, I'll seal a term that, Parcells used in, in describing Pepper Johnson after Pepper's rookie year. And Pepper was like runner up to getting in the Pro Bowl as a rookie middle linebacker. And he didn't say, you know, people use the, the, the saying, he finds the ball. Mm-hmm. Bill reversed that, said the ball finds him. 
if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, and that's instincts. Mm-hmm. And Sanborn has excellent instincts. His anticip, uh, anticipation, is, especially for a rookie, is rare. So yeah. that allows him, he's a 4-7-1 guy. It allows him to play at least a tenth faster, maybe a tenth and a half faster. He's a pretty physical guy. He he's not going to bust an assignment because he's real smart. So you're going to trust him. He's going to make plays. Mm-hmm. Renewmo just uh, said that uh, Eddie Jackson perhaps is becoming more and more expendable with the play of that secondary. Do you agree with that? That perhaps Eddie no, Jackson? No, I don't. I, I don't agree with that because you're, you know. Um, Carson Houston, Houston Carson, whatever the hell his name is. DeAndre Houston Carson, yes. He, he's good, but he's not an Eddie Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Eddie directs traffic back there. Mm-hmm. But I, w- what I like about this group, though, is that, okay, he's getting – DeAndre's getting the most play time he's probably ever had since he's been in the league. Brisker's gotten quality play time. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Kyler mm-hmm. Gordon's gotten, and these other rookie free agents have gotten quality play time. So you're going to go into next year. I'm going to say, I, I think right now, I would not be shocked if there's no changes in the secondary. You're bringing back the guys that are, that are hurt and you're going with the status quo. Yep. And, and I think at the linebacker position, it might be the same. But it's the defensive line, and and then uh, a little more. Now I, I'm a little disappointed. The other day, Jack Conklin, who was like my number one right tackle for free agency, he signed an extension. The good news was, if you look at the money he got, I think it was around fifteen, maybe not quite fifteen. Um, do you have those numbers anywhere? I'll uh, find uh, out. The that's gonna that that that's gonna be the. The ceiling for, say, a guy like Mike McGlinchey, plays yeah. 49ers. Let's see. We have him down as a four-year, $60 million contract. 15 a year. Yes, indeed. So that's uh, not bad. Not bad. Um, Mike McGlinchey, uh, Barrelissimo asked, would you look at him, the right tackle? Oh, yeah. That, that, he, he was my number two guy. Mm-hmm. Now, the way I hear it is that the San Francisco fans think he stinks. But, yes, but, you know, <laughs> Bears fans thought Leno stunk, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, somebody had a comment here that I wanted to share regarding um, the linebacker situation, and I didn't save it. So uh, let me see if I can find it very Quickly here. Well, Berlissimo says that Sanborn makes a huge difference on the run deep because of his physicality at the line of scrimmage. I would agree with that. Well, uh, yeah, I agree with that. But still, uh, one thing, uh, Jones is the only defensive tackle that's playing worth a damn. Yeah. yeah. Watts, Watts makes some plays periodically, mm-hmm. but they got to chore up the interior deep. Well, they got to chore up the whole thing. They haven't got any pass rush either. Oh, it's so, awesome. It, it, it's and you only got one first round pick, so you're only going to get you know one top defensive lineman, be it inside or outside, and some of that's going to depend on uh, number one where they're picking, number two if they're picking at number two, 
what's Houston do at number one? Now everybody's oh, they're going to take a quarterback, but they got another one. Mm-hmm. And right now that's a top 10. Yeah. Right. Right. It's uh Tony's uh, question here that I want to share with you is Jackson more like Hunter Hillenmeyer. I think that's a kind of a, a pretty good comp. Although Sanborn, I think has a higher ceiling. Um, Hunter, I don't think it was that athletic. Yeah. It was, he was a taller, leaner guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Hunter was about six, four, six, five. And, mm-hmm. um, where Sanborn's six, one and a half, mm-hmm. uh, probably a little quicker. So they're different types of, of players, mm-hmm. but yeah. It, it, and we were playing Hunter at Sam and back then the Sam played a lot. It's not like now we're like, if, if you know, it's like the bills defense, Yeah, their base defense is two linebackers and five DBs. Mm-hmm. They never play with a Sam. That's right. That's a different league than, than it was back then. Huh? Um, so let's talk about, I'm getting lots of questions on the three players that I promoted as part of this show. Uh, Let's start talking about those three guys and starting with, uh, let's see, who I want to start with, uh, Will Anderson, the uh, defensive edge player from Alabama, six foot four, 243 pounds. He's a junior, age 21. We'll get his 40 yard dash and all that other information, hopefully, at the combine. Uh, He's a typical Alabama guy. They'll wait till the Alabama pro day. There you go. Very, very few work out at the combine. you know, you get the height and weight. Uh, now, the, the weight, that weight's off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend of mine who makes two school stops a, a year at, at Alabama, and his second stop was maybe a month ago, and Anderson weighed 251 okay. on that day. So, because uh, that was like a weigh-in day. You know, they, got a, they weigh in once a week. Right. And uh, he was there, and he weighed 251. Um, he, his numbers are not as good this year as they were a year ago. We'll we'll talk positives and negatives here. Um, you know, he had 18 sacks last year, 18 and a half. He's got 10 this year. Mm -hmm. Now at the same time, teams have schemed against him Mm -hmm. a little bit. Now he's listed in their, in their defense as really being a, like a linebacker because they're, but he's an edge. You know, but he plays a lot in a two-point stance like he is right there. But there are times, you know, he also puts his hand in the dirt. Now, this year, they moved him in. First of all, you know, I I, I talked to my my buddy just the other day, and and I wanted to get a good feel for, for Anderson. And he thought that had he been able to come out last year, he might have been the first pick. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but now he had a different position coach, and actually he has two coaches because he kind of a cross between an outside linebacker and a defensive uh, lineman. And last year, Salson uh, Seri was the outside linebacker coach. He went somewhere else. He was at Alabama for years and a great coach. I met him years ago when he was at Pitt. And they had a new guy this year, and my buddy says that guy's average. He's not anywhere near as good as Sonseri. So you you take that away, and then he was used a little bit differently. There was mm-hmm. times when he was playing with his hand in the dirt and, 
and lined up like a five technique and, and being doing some stuff inside. And, you know, he's not that big. Now he'll, when it's all said and done, he'll probably play between 255 and 260 mm-hmm. when he gets to our league, maybe not his rookie year, but that's, that's in this scheme, that'll be the, you know, an ideal playing weight. He's more than, than strong enough. You see him on tape from last year, you know, two gap and a, a tackle getting off the block real quick, using his hands, getting to it. He's a, he's a, a dynamic pass rusher coming off the edge. What he's got is he can use his hands but he's got a lot of flexibility. He can dip and he can get underneath. He's got real good bend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can close to the quarterback. Um, my buddy doesn't think he's going to have like lightning fast 40 time. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be okay. But, but um, you know, he might run in the four sixes, but he doesn't think he's going to be better than that. But still, that's pretty good. Sure it is. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I think, and I'm probably getting ahead, I don't think he's the best player right now. He might be the most important need, mm-hmm. but Carter's a better player. Okay. Why is okay, that? Or a better prospect because when he lines up and wants to play, he can't block him. Mm. Okay. Now there is a knock. He gets a little lazy. Sorry. My eyes are itching. I don't feel good today. My eyes are itching. So I guess that's my allergies. Yeah. Um, I've got the same problem today. Itching all over. Something's in the so- air. <laughs> oh, it's burning bad. Okay. I'm going to take my glasses off. You want to take a break? No. Okay. So, um, but, but Carter, you know, some people say he's a, he can be a little lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say this about defensive linemen. They all got a little crap in their neck. They're different. They're not like offensive linemen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I use, I was saying this to my friend the other day. I said, the term I always use to describe a defensive lineman is just thug. <laughs> and he's got to play, you know, he's rough around the edges. He's got to play tough for, you know, we might have to take a break for a second here and I watch this out. Can we do that for, give me like Absolutely. 30 seconds? Okay. Absolutely. Finish this up. Okay, just a second. You go take a break and uh, I will, uh, let's see, what can I roll here for entertainment's sake? Let's, uh, I was over at uh, Greg's home. I'm sure some of you have seen this, but uh, I got a little videotape of Greg uh, giving me a tour around the house. What was the motivation to get into scouting? I guess I've been analytical mm-hmm. in that area, like even when I was like a, a kid. That's Forte's first touchdown. And he autographed it. That's the Pro Bowl players one year. All those are our picks. So that's Briggs, Nate Basher, Tommy Harris. Two things, the bigger ones on top. Mm-hmm. Those were gifts from Parcells when we went to the Super Bowls that he gave all the scouts. It's the 85 Bears. The Bears gave us that. That. Ted Phillips gave us his opening night at the new Soldier Field. That's Devin's touchdown in the Super Bowl. Devin autographed that. But this is our, our first draft class. That was so much fun, Greg. Tour of all your memorabilia and stuff. <laughs> I've got more video from that visit uh, over to your house that I'm going to find some time to 
edit together soon. You you shared some really fast, fascinating uh, stories when we went down to your basement. So more of that video. We, to we ought to we ought to bring out that old projector and. <laughs> well, I got video of you hauling that thing around, so that's going to be fun to share with the fans. <laughs> All yeah, right, that sucker still works. Yeah, <laughs> which is hard to find a 16 millimeter projector that works nowadays because I've been. I don't know. Can you even find 16 millimeter film, let alone a projector? Well, I've got a, a few things in my collection from my days in college uh, filmmaking that are on 16 millimeters. So. Oh, really? uh, I, might, I might ask you to uh, loan me that projector so I can transfer some of that stuff to video I'll, I'll and show it to you. Five grand. No. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have LT's autograph on it? <laughs> no, no. But that was that was. You know, I got that my first day with the Giants '84. Outstanding. And it was probably old then. <laughs> it's got a lot of miles on it, right? Oh, it sure does. <laughs> All right. You were talking about why you uh, prefer uh, Jalen Carter or you think Jalen Carter might be a better prospect. Well, you know, it wouldn't shock me mm -hmm. if Houston has the number one and, okay. and Lovey knows the, the value of a three technique. If he really lobbies for Jalen Carter for, for himself. Hmm. Now, Nick Casario is going to have the final say. He's the GM. Uh, but it just wouldn't shock me. It depends where they have the number one quarterback. Is their number one quarterback ranked as their best guy? Mm -hmm. But I want to get back to what I was saying. You know, defensive linemen, you know, they got, they got to have a couple screws loose. Yeah. And, and like I said, they, we got, they got a little crap in their neck. And they're not. <laughs> Ordinary people, they're nasty son of a bitches who, you know, their job is to beat up people. Mm -hmm. And they do. And, you know, offensive linemen, totally different mentality. Mm -hmm. Except for the only offensive lineman that is comes close to having a defensive lineman mentality is Olin. Okay. All, all the rest, you know, more reserved, uh, they're real smart. There's a lot that are well-read well guys. You know, just they get married young. They're not, <laughs> you know, they're not they're not knuckleheads. Where defensive linemen, you know, you expect them to be a little knucklehead. Yeah. And then, and then they, or or you got a comedian like, uh, um, like Spice Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Funny guy, but I'll add Kyle Long to that list of offensive linemen who've, who've got that kind of uh, thug mentality. Sorry, Kyle, I'm not. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> but uh, in a good way, uh, it, it, you you want some offensive linemen to have an edge, you know, at least one on your offensive line, uh, don't you think? Well, they're, they're guys that play hard. That not saying they don't play hard, but just their normal personality mm -hmm. defensive linemen are different. And so, you know, if a guy says, well, you might have some, like, I guess McShay was saying on ESPN a couple of weeks ago and, and some people from Georgia got pissed off that he's got, that Carter's got some uh, uh, character issues. Well, what are the real the, the issue? If there's an issue at all, according to people that I know that have made school calls, is eh, sometimes he's not the hardest practice player or whatever. Mm -hmm. If he came here, that would change because you don't play if you don't practice hard. Mm -hmm. It's real simple. You know, they, they teach you how to 
be that's one thing I like about the staff. You're you're held accountable. And so if you want to play, you gotta practice like you want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but the talent, like I say, when he lines up and he's ready to go, he is t- absolutely unblockable. He's just he's a man, he's only like 300, 305. It's not that he's huge, but he just he's so strong, so explosive. Um, got advanced hand use for for a uh, uh, a young guy like that. I mean, he just he, he just handles people easily. He, he really makes does. this look real, real simple. Does he remind you a little of uh, Duran uh, Payne with the Commanders? He's a lot better athlete than Payne, I think. Okay. They they both have the same high level of strength. I mean, Payne is probably one of the strongest guys in the NFL. And when I'm looking at these clips of Carter, it's amazing his strength and how he brushes people aside. I mean, look at this. <laughs> he just yeah, that they, guy away. He's very athletic. Now, last year they had three defensive linemen get drafted in the first round off that Georgia team. Mm-hmm. Two of them in the top ten. Wow. He's the best one. He's better than any of those three guys that went last year in the first round. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, you know, but here's the kick, and, and this is how you play the game. Number one, what's, what's Houston going to do at one, assuming the Bears have number two? And then it's value of position. And in this defense – the three might have a little bit more value over the edge, but in my opinion, you always got to take an edge first mm-hmm. uh, because he gets the quarterback down, but this guy will do that too. Uh, and then it doesn't look like in free agency, there's going to be much there as far as pass rushers. Mm-hmm. And you got it. Now there's going to be some guys that, that are going to be able to help you. But, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to overspend. But there are defensive tackles there. So if you can get some of these guys in defense, uh, 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 you know, one of those defensive tackles, mm-hmm. then I would, I would think that that would slant your draft choice to Anderson. If you strike out on those defensive tackles, then it's, you know, it's going to be a take your pick. Yeah, somebody just asked a question related to that. It is uh, from Jamal Lewis, uh, not the uh, Jamal Lewis that played with the Ravens. He, he asked, say we draft Carter, is there someone in free agency that you would put next to him? So I'm calling up the free agency list here over from Track. Let me scroll through this. I'll put it up on the screen so you can take a look at it. And uh, maybe there's a name that will pop out at you. Uh, so. Well, that's that- the names I like that that's offensive line you got right there. Sure is. Let me uh fix that. Uh, defensive tackle coming up. There we go. Okay, now the, the you got okay, Fletcher Cox too old. Mm-hmm. So you, you leave him alone. Hargrave is gonna be 30, he's gonna cost 20 million. If you want to pay 20 million, go get him. But he's gonna be 30 years old, so do you want to pay 20 million to a 30-year-old? Mm-hmm. But then you go down, you got, uh, I don't know why he doesn't have Payne way up there, but you got Payne. And I think he's got the defensive uh, line, uh, Daquan Jones from, uh, uh, there's Payne right there. 
Yeah. And then you got uh, Daquan Jones. Sheldon Rankins would be, you know, good to play that one technique. Mm-hmm. I think with the Jets, he started off, he's a first-round pick of uh, New Orleans. Uh, but – and I think they got listed a, as a defensive end, the the guy from Denver, uh, Daquan Jones, because he's uh, he plays a five technique there. But in our scheme, he'd be a three. So it, it really gets down to who you're able to sign, and 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 you gotta see who's going to hit free agency. Right. I know a few weeks ago, Ron Rivera said we're going to do everything we can to keep paying. I just don't know. You look at they got to get a quarterback, mm-hmm. and they're eventually going to ha- they're going to have to in another year they're going to have to pay uh, Young. <clears throat> they're already paying the guy next to Payne. 16 million a year. Exactly. Can they, you know, can they put that much money into their defensive line? Yeah, I think it might be a little, uh, a little too much. Although, uh, Jordan has been telling me, uh, they're going to cut Carson once and the money they save with that cut is probably going to help them resign pain. So we'll see if his prediction on that is correct. You know, a guy here who I like, he might be a little too undersized is the kid with, uh, Kansas city, Colleen Sa- Saunders. I think he played at Western Illinois. Yeah. He, he would be a nose or a one technique here. He's only six feet tall. Right. You know, if you want to compare him to somebody, it's Spice Adams. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, quick, Spice probably a little better athlete, but Spice is only six feet tall, mm-hmm. real long arms, and very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't done all my work on these guys. I've, I've just done some of the top guys, and some of them are fits, uh, you know, because of their, like, I, you know, Tevin Bryant athletically is a fit. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I haven't watched Tevin Bryant since he was coming out and I liked him when he was coming out, but um, you know what he is right now. I, I don't have a clue. Cause I, I would have loved, I would have loved that the Conklin got to free agency, but he signed as far as offensive tackles go. Yes, indeed. Uh, sad. <laughs> um, well, there's a, there's an interesting uh, list of players here. So it's not as barren as say the free agency of four wide receivers. So that's, that's kind of some good news. There's, there's some guys to study and, uh, but I, I'm, I, I really do believe you've got to find this three tech and probably finding it in the draft. might. Be I, I would put Jones at the one. If you if you're able to draft a three or sign a three, mm-hmm. and because he's the best guy they got, he's big enough and strong enough to play the one. Uh, Watts is a backup. Um, that you know who could play in the rotation, but you got to have good people around him. And now if you get a guy like Carter. You know, Carter makes everybody a little better because he's a difference maker. Mm-hmm. And then teams are going to have to, not not because they scheme, but they're going to have to be aware of him. Yeah. Even yeah. even as a rookie. What do you think about uh, uh, Mike Pennell Jr.? He seems to have had some really nice moments at times, but he... You know, he's not really a fit, but he's trying to make himself a fit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get. He only gets like 20, 22 snaps a game. Yeah, you, know, if you look at the thing. Uh, 
but he plays hard when he's in there. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're gonna, he's more of a a, a three four nose type guy. Mm-hmm. And now, what's this? What's Foster saying? I'd say sign an edge draft two defensive tackles. Well, again, it depends <coughs> on availability. Who's availability, there? Availability, and there's not that much uh, talent. Put up the defensive end list if you got if you got it. Sure, it, it, it's just. Not inspiring. Uh, let's see. Defensive ends uh, coming up at you in five seconds. Let's see. Maybe five more seconds. No, here comes. <laughs> let's get rid of Franco here and scroll down. J.J. Watt, Robert Quinn. Okay, Brandon. well, you're not going to do anything. Or Brandon Graham. You're not going to do – I mean – you know, all those guys are into their 30s. You're not going to deal with them. Jadavion Clowney, you're not going to deal with him. What about um, the kid from Indianapolis, uh, Yannick? His production this year really hadn't been anything. He, talent-wise, <coughs> probably the best guy. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't done a whole lot this year. Yeah. Ashawn Robinson is another guy you could put inside. Mm-hmm. Joby is is see they got some of these guys listed as ends on their five techniques. Ogunjobi's a three. Uh, Keaton Hicks is a is a defensive tackle. Uh, Clayton Farrell, you know he he's been uh, I don't want to say a total bust, but pretty close. Yep. Uh, Samson, uh, Ebukam, he's an interesting guy. Smoot is an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go down. Now, the guy, I know some Bears fans were screaming for, but he's had a horrible year as Marcus Davenport. Now, I haven't looked up what he's done in the last two weeks, but I know up until then he only had like one sack. That's right. And so Jerron Reed is is an inside guy. Uh, So Dante Fowler, he's getting up in age, and he's been an inconsistent player. Tyson Alulu, he's another five technique. Blackson's an inside guy. So a lot of those guys aren't really defensive ends. Mm-hmm. Kerry Hyder is a guy that I like, but he's more of an inside guy too. Yeah. So it, it's like finding him. Now there's another guy that you know a name I got you. And if let's say you you win a game or two and you and you lose your you lose out on Carter or Anderson, then the next. The next pass rusher consensus around the league is Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. And this guy, he's athletic as hell. And I've never seen you put on the tape and you want to scream at the coaching staff. You want to find out, you know, who the coaches are. Texas Tech say, what the fuck are you doing with this guy? (laughs) Because a lot of times this guy's got some natural pass rush ability. And a lot of times, on third and long, he's not rushing the passer. He's dropping into coverage. That's he's nice. listed as an outside linebacker. See, he's on his feet there. Yeah. Okay, but he had he hasn't he didn't play the last two games, and then he shut it down. He entered the draft. He's coming out. So um, he had a little, I think, hip bruise or something. So then he shut it down. But see, he's got the bend there. Yeah. And and polls went down to see him. During that, uh, I think it was the mini buy 
Yeah. Poles and Cunningham both went, right? Yeah. And he, uh, Dan Brugler, who I, I think of all the draft analysts is by far the best as far as evaluating. Yeah. And uh, he's got it as a number eight player. Wow. And always the number two pass rusher. And mm -hmm. probably a guy that's going to be better in the pros or the numbers are going to be better in the pros because he'll be used strictly as a pass rusher and he's not going to be dropped into coverage. Cause I remember, you know, I watched probably four games of him and I'm going, why are they doing that? You know, it was just so frustrating because you say he's probably, he's the best athlete they got on the defense. I think he's going to test off the charts. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he runs like a four, five, eight at, at six, six, two seventy five. Wow. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, I, uh, Jordan is a big fan of him too. Tyree Wilson in a trade down to seven or ten would be an well, idea. They, they, Jordan, they may have seven. They win their last two games. You know, Atlanta or rather uh, Minnesota might not show up in the last game. <laughs> they right. might not need to play. They might, you know, play all their backups preseason game. It depends if they in fact need to to win the game. And Detroit. Who, after last week, I don't know what to think of them. Because Carol, I, I'll tell you what, their head coach, their interim head coach, he might end up with a job. Hmm. We've got a few people uh, in the chat who are saying that Wilson plays a bit slow. Uh, uh, Tony says he plays like a 31-year-old. Uh, no, I, I don't agree with that. I, I, you know, I've watched, like I say, four full games mm -hmm. and, some, and some clips of some other stuff. He's He's a... I think a rare athlete. What do you think and he'll think, run in a 40? Just a guess. I Wilson, I think he'll break four six. And the worst case, maybe four six two. He can run. Okay. I'll be shot. Put it this way. I'll be shocked. He might run faster than Anderson. Wow. That would be a statement. That would be a huge statement. All right. Let's get to some questions here. Uh Don Burr wants to know. Uh Ask Greg, does he see a big talent gap between Brian Breeze, Breezy and Jalen Carter? Yes. Why is that? Uh, well, first of all, Breezy's more of, uh, you know, the one technique. No, mm -hmm. he's not a three. He's a good football player. And granted, now he's had some, some heartbreak this season. So you might have to give him a, a pass on that, too. Uh, you know, his sister died early in the season, his younger sister. Oh, did not know. Uh, she had can some, I think, rare cancer or something. Mm -hmm. And so he missed a few games, playing with a heavy heart. Um, good player, but he, I mean, not even close to the natural talent of Carter. Mm. I, I personally think he's a little overrated. Okay. Um, Skeet. Wants to know, what do you think about the right tackle from Tennessee, Darnell Wright? He's been a popular topic. Haven't, haven't done him yet. All right. We'll uh, get to him in a few weeks. Uh, Bear Truth wants to know, my question, is he worthy? Oh, gosh. Who is he? was he talking about when I posted this? I think it was uh, Will Anderson. Was he worthy of a one or two pick? Does he have the upside? Anderson? Yes. In this draft? Yeah. Okay. Cornelius says he's seen a mock draft suggesting the Bears draft the running back. I think I, he's out of UCLA, Zach Charbonnet, in the second round. That guy reminds me of Mr. Matt Forte. Uh, I can tell you right now, they ain't taking a run back in the second round. <laughs> I doubt that very I much, know. too. I, 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 when you get running backs late, 
mm-hmm. who are productive running backs. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's just not happening. And you only get, you know, you when you draft a running back, you figure you got him for one contract. Anything after that's a bonus. All right. Tony has a hypothetical here. He wants to know if the Bears do land the second pick in the draft, are you trading down or targeting Anderson or Carter? Let's say you get an offer from the Detroit Lions or Seattle Seahawks, um, and you've got an opportunity to get two number one draft picks, one a mid-round pick in 2023 and a pick in 2024 plus a mid-round pick uh, in this year. So would you consider a trade? Well, it depends. First of all, it depends where you're going, how far you're dropping down, and where's your cutoff line as far as the talent level, mm-hmm. okay, how a fan may see the players and how a board's lined up are two different things. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a drop-off in talent, and you don't want to go below that line mm-hmm. where, where the, the drop-off is. And everybody's assuming people are going to want to jump up and take these quarterbacks. Right now, I'd say that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, but – because of history, they think it is. But then you go back and look at all the drafts. There's a couple drafts where they did last year, and, and now you, and you look at some of the ones where they took guys high. Perfect example is Zach Wilson. He stinks. He's awful. He's terrible, yeah. and he never should. And and you say the guy who went number three after that, the kid from North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. He might never get on the field, and their seventh round pick is gonna is gonna be great. You know so. It's what do I want to say over analysis by some of these people on, on these quarterbacks in the old days, it was show me, baby, you know, you had to have production, right? Zach Wilson, you go back into his second last year at BYU. He was a sub 60. If I'm correct, I remember looking at this. I think it was like a 59% passer. He wasn't even rated. And then they, you know, they play the, the 20 season, the COVID year, they're playing a dirt shit schedule. Mm-hmm. And he puts up some good numbers. But I think they only played one good team all year. You know, and because, you know, they were an independent then and, and everybody was just trying to play a, because of COVID, just try to play a conference schedule mm-hmm. and stuff. So they had a, you know, stretch to get some games. But, you know, he was a one-year wonder, for for lack of a better word. He has no football character, and that's what the Jets have found out. And yeah. at that position, you're—that's why Josh Allen is so damn good. And I wrote about it a, a couple of weeks ago. He he has willed himself. He was only a fifty-five percent passer at uh, Wyoming, but he he spent you know the the last four off season just working and working and working. He went from 50 – his first year in the NFL, he's 52%. His second year, he went up to 59%. Then he went to 69%. That is unheard of in the NFL for a guy to jump 10 points in one year. That's amazing, yeah. Wow. But it's all the work that he put into it. Mm-hmm. I do have to tell you, I mean, I, 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 we and I, you and I have talked about this before. It, it just seems to happen almost every draft that some general manager falls in love with a quarterback and overdrafts him. I mean, well, yeah, a- and, and you're hoping that that's the case, but knowing that the quarterbacks get hot in March, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Right yeah. now, okay, you look at it. <laughs> go go back to the year Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And this time of the year, then, Justin Fields was the number two quarterback. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, he became the number four quarterback. Yeah. And not only does it, you know, he's number two, and then he plays the game of his life. Mm-hmm. against Clemson, against the guy, you know, Lawrence, who becomes the number one pick. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, and played, you know, gets the shit kicked out of him in that game. You know, bruises his ribs, still has a hell of a game. Yet he s- slides down and you got a, an FCS player who plays one game <laughs> because he, he's an athlete. He's got a strong arm. I don't care. You got to play at that position. Indeed. Indeed. Got to have that game experience. And, and the same thing with White. He, oh, he had a great workout. Mm-hmm. You know, there was uh, – what was the guy's quarterback the year we took Grossman? The guy from uh, Cal. Um, a bunch of coaches fell in love with him mm-hmm. because he was on a knee and threw the ball 75 yards in the air. <laughs> what was the year that he uh, Grossman was drafted? Was that 2003. 2003 draft. I'm going to look that up. I want to know who this Cal quarterback was. Uh, he went like 19 because Baltimore jumped in front of us. We made it. We, we, you know, brought him in and let him talk to the press, made it look like we loved him when we rejected him at the combine. Oh, wow. Very I'll, I'll tell you the story. What happened? Okay, go ahead. I just can't remember this guy's name now. And I'm looking furiously for it. Uh, quarterback from Cal. Uh, let's see. The third quarterback chosen in that draft was Kyle Bowler. That's right. Kyle Bowler. That's him. So <laughs> we interviewed Bowler at the combine. And his numbers were horrible before his final year. And that's the year Jeff Tedford, who was a pretty good offensive coach, came in and coaches Cal. And so we asked him, you know, in that 15-minute interview, said, you know, how did you handle losing? And, you know, what was it like? It had to be tough for you. And, you know, he looks at us and he goes, well, I wore a hoodie around campus, kept the hood up so nobody recognized me. He ended any chance of being a Chicago Bear with that answer. Thank you. <laughs> he was awful. <laughs> but we played it up like we loved him. And we played it up like we love Chris Sims. We weren't going to draft either one. <laughs> That's hilarious. Chris Sims, too. Huh? Chris threw a nice ball, by the way. Yeah. No, I, and, and his dad was a good friend. And, uh, and I like Chris. And, and I, I remember, you know, John Shoup was the, the offensive coordinator that year uh, on Dick Geron's staff. And, and after um, Sims had his interview, he was just, oh, we got to have that guy. <laughs> okay, John. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's get to some more of these cues here. Um, Bear Truth 9, uh, where does Will Anderson stack up versus top defensive ends drafted in the last, say, five to six years or so? Well, you can use two. You can use Miles Garrett and and Young, who the uh, Washington has, and he's not as good as those guys. Different kind of player. He's smaller. 
Yeah. He's more of a, uh, I'm not going to say he's a finesse player because he's not, but those guys are like 270, 275 pounds. They're bigger guys where right. um, Anderson's more of a speed guy, but Hey, Hey, the numbers speak for itself. Like I say, last, last year he had 18 or 18 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. He was a one man wrecking crew. And, and J-Rock has a good follow-up question to that. Is Will Anderson a true defensive end, or is he a 3-4 outside linebacker? Uh, he, he, pass rusher. He, he probably drops two or three times a game. Yeah. But, you know, they, they changed the name a few years ago, and it's really an edge because you're playing so much sub. You're playing sub, in most cases, like 75% of the game. So your pass rushers, be it there in a two-point stance or a three-point stance, are pass rushers. Mm-hmm. You can call them what you want. They're edge players. Yeah. And, and that, that's what he is. He can play. If you put on the tape, he can, he can more than hold his own and not give ground. He's strong. You see him take on offensive tackles from the SEC, and he just stuffs them right there at the line of scrimmage. You know, but, but they say he's not – He's not. He doesn't have the natural talent of a Miles Garrett uh, uh, or a Young. Is there uh, when he does drop into coverage? When Will Anderson does drop into coverage, does he do a solid job there in pass coverage? Because I, you know, you, you still see that. In all fairness, I never. When he drops, I don't watch mm-hmm. because that's not what he's going to do here and yeah. with this team. All right, his hand's going to be in the dirt, and he's going forward. Which is what I like my defensive end or edge so, to do. Right. I mean, so, but again, I, I'm I'm not worried about him, and I'm not worried about Carter. I just want to know what um, Houston's going to do at one. In fact, I got to as soon as we get done with this, I got to call Pep Hamilton because I got to talk to him about a thing. Mm-hmm. So, but he's he's not going to know anything. So. Well, tell him we all said hi. We can't wait for him to come on to your show. Um, what about uh, Tony saying Carter, Jalen Carter can line up anywhere on the defensive line? You agree with that? Well, in a three-man front, he can be a five. Mm-hmm. He can be a three in the Bears. He can play the one. Yeah, I mean, he can play any of the those inside positions. He's not a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Now, could you put him at, at left defensive end in some schemes? Yeah, and, and Vic Durant's scheme that we played when Greg Blosh was a defensive coordinator. Yeah, you could put him at left defensive end then, and it would have been damn good. Tony has another question. He says, do you think Ryan Poles did a bad job of cutting and trading away stars to save money, only to spend money on bad 2023 free agency class? Well, who said it's bad? They didn't spend any. And, and don't forget, some of that money is going to players that are already here. Yeah. That's a big part of it. You got to take care of some. There's going to be guys you got to take care of. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to you got to take care of Justin. You can pay Justin Fields in another year. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to pay Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, right. there's people on this team that are going to need right. contracts, and, oh, and, and, oh, and, and yeah, and so it's. It's not only going into free agent. They got so much money. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to have five percent of that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they give you they give you five million. I mean, you know, <laughs> they're gonna have. And w- when they set the number, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me if they have one hundred and fifteen to one hundred and twenty million 
mm-hmm. and cap space going into free agency. Yep. And you've actually, what Jazz is saying there up on the screen, you've actually said that before, that you will not be surprised if there's a lot of that money still unspent in 2023 because of some of the needs for 2024. Right. Well, you, you can take care of Jalen Johnson after the final game. Okay. So, what, or, you know, you can do it uh, for next year. Uh, and But that's, that's going to be up to them, whether they want to do it. Now, I'd rather do it now then wait another year, mm-hmm. you know, get them locked up. Mm. Laz wants to know about the center position. He, uh, you know, he's not convinced about Lucas Patrick. And of course, well, he's only seen Lucas Patrick for one quarter at center. Right. You saw him in Green Bay. You saw a bunch of his tape at Green Bay. And you think he could still potentially be the center for 2023 and maybe beyond. Based on what I saw. Yes. Now this coaching staff has a different attitude. Um, then fine, you know, right. they're going to do what they want, but they, uh, there's a reason they signed them. And again, you go back and, uh, he played center, the, you know, in, in 21 and 20 at, at Green Bay. I think he started like 28 or 30 games or something <laughs> at center and really played well. And, th- and those are, those are playoff teams. So he was a center on a playoff team. <laughs> okay. Now this year, he gets hurt at the beginning of camp. Then the other guys get hurt. So when he comes back, he's got to play guard. And he's not good at guard. Mm-hmm. So he's playing out of position. And they signed him to play center. Yeah. Although he did have a couple of good games at guard with Green Bay. And that's my concern is that maybe it's the system. Uh, maybe it's this, the offensive line. Coach. That, well, the system is the same. Right, but the coach, offensive line coach, is not. And now the Bears have a great offensive line coach. I'm not saying he's, but there might be a disconnect there. And and clearly, you know, the tape from 2021 could could mislead us into thinking that he's still that player in 2022 or 2023. I mean, well, why, but he's only been in the league like five years before so that. He's still so a young player. He's an offensive lineman. Okay. I mean, offensive linemen can play to their. 33, 34, if they remain relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, J2K. Then you could be Andrew Whitworth and you can play to your 40. Mm-hmm. J2K says, Patrick has a cuttable contract next year. In my opinion, not a lock that he's back. And I'd love a young offensive center in a year that has great centers in the draft. And there was a question regarding that. Bear Truth 9 says, you think there's a chance? Well, that's not uh, the question, uh, Trenton Simpson. I must have accidentally erased it. But uh, somebody in uh, in the chat earlier said, do you think the Bears might look at a center in this draft given the depth of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could, but it, it, it's it, – it, if they walk away from Patrick, they're going to do it early. Mm-hmm. Okay, so – and that's going to tell you – what the thinking is. Don't forget they drafted a center last year who got hurt in, in training camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The low, you know, the kid from Illinois and, and, and they like him. So Kramer. Yeah. So there's a center in waiting, so to speak with him and Patrick and in fairness, the last half of the season, Mustafer mm-hmm. hadn't played that badly. Yeah. yeah. But, it's but must Mustafer is not a starter. Mustafer is a backup. Right. Uh Berlismo has seen Berlismo is concerned about Jalen Carter. Uh he's he's listed some of his issues. 
And he wants to know, when you were scouting Carter, did you see anything that of concern regarding Jalen Carter? No. What, what, what did he say? He listed uh, a raft of his issues. What, what are his issues? Yeah, Bellissimo, remind me. I think one of the things that you may have written was is that um, uh, you see him on the ground too often. Uh, uh, so I don't want to speak for you. I don't remember the list of things that you had. So if you can list those again for us, uh, so that way Greg can react to it. Um, well, let's get. I, I see one of the most, when I look at the natural talent, one of the most dominant inside players I've seen in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, to me, that's hard to argue with, but you guys look at tape a hell of a lot more than I do. Um, I, I love uh, the defender's commentary. He says, Sam Mustafer is annoyingly durable. <laughs> it's a good trait to have. But... <laughs> hey, you can't play unless you're healthy. <laughs> That's right. All right, so here's Bellissimo's comment. He Somebody says, else could say he doesn't get hurt because he doesn't hit anybody. But uh, you know. <laughs> I love that line. I got to remember that. Dips his head into doubles. Off balance often. Gets ear hold easily versus power concepts. Takes plays off. Looks out of gas on longer drives. He wins quick or not at all. Uh, I don't totally agree with that. I agree that he does take off some plays. Mm-hmm. And I don't. You know, that, that, that's a decision that the – I'll go back to the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. With most defensive linemen, you're not getting an alder boy. You're not getting a clean bill of health. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, there's going to be stuff wrong with them. So you, you look at the good, and then – perfect example, Tank Johnson. Tank Johnson was damn good, but you look at the tape and you could have, you know, from University of Washington and, and you could have come up with a lot of differences. Same with Tommy Harris. Mm-hmm. You know, Oklahoma was rotating before anybody else rotated. So Tommy is playing probably a half of the game and that's it. And there's plays that he took off. And, he's, and, and don't forget, we got him with a 13th pick in the draft and he was a first defense. It was a freak draft. It's the first defensive lineman to come off the board. He was 13th in the draft. Hmm. Wow. That never happens. Okay. Well, we're going to stay on that topic because I think that's a great topic. And uh, and on a future show with uh, Danny Shimon, we'll talk to him about it and Neil Stopchinski. I want to uh, quickly, before we get out of here, I want to talk about the wide receiver position and Brad Biggs' excellent 10 thoughts uh, a column that he comes up with a day or two after the Bears play. He talked about how the Eagles and other teams improved their offenses with their young quarterbacks by acquiring quality veteran wide receivers. And he doesn't know, of course, you know, hopefully Chase Claypool will become that player. We haven't seen any signs of that this season. But if if uh, Ryan Poles decided to try it again, to try to pick up a veteran wide receiver, do you think that Jerry Judy from Denver – uh, could be a guy or should be a guy that polls might target? Well, did George Payton draft Jerry Judy? Um, yes, I think he did, right? Well, George George has still got his job. <laughs> um, that is weird. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I, I like George. Mm-hmm. And he must have turned down 10 jobs over the years. 
Wow. And, and, he, and finally took this one. What I don't know, and, you know, and I tweeted this out last night and it got a lot of play. I said, word around the league is that there's going to be a total house cleaning in Denver and less than 24 hours later, you know, the, the, the coach gets fired. Yeah. But then I retweeted it with, I should have phrased this better. It should have been speculation is okay. around the league. I mean, that's what the general thought was. Right. But was George the man responsible for the hiring of the head coach? Now, you'd think so. He's the general manager. Right. Okay, but was John Elway involved or, or something like that? Because yeah. I, I, I was reading through some stuff today, and they were, he was supposed to leave Denver and then go to Jacksonville for like a second interview or something. Mm. And they didn't want him to go to Jacksonville, and they, so they, they locked him up, you know, tried to lock him up before he left, and that was like on January 27th or something like that. Okay. And um, – Personally, I, I never thought he was going to be a good head coach. Mm -hmm. I remember he was the, the OC in Buffalo um, years ago, and it's like he didn't do anything for anybody. And then he had the title OC in in Green Bay, but he really wasn't the OC. The head coach is the OC. Right, right. You know, LaFleur's the OC. So um, he hadn't called plays. Uh, well, he's called plays before. He just didn't call plays at Green Bay. Mm -hmm. So now, and he's got one of the better quarterbacks in the game. So it's I, personally, I think Getzey's better than him. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, and, and Getzey was the more the guy who was really more hands on with Aaron Rodgers mm -hmm. than Hackett. So, uh, but you know that that's that's been proven. But with George, George got two big strikes against him. And if you look at the statement that the ownership put out, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they said, you know, the owner said, I'm going to be the one leading the search. And then he said, and then later on, it says something like, and I'll do what's ever necessary. So like on one paragraph, he said, George is safe. And then three paragraphs later, he goes, but he may not be just not using those, those words. Yeah. But, but it goes back to, did George have the final say on hiring Hackett? Because if he did, that's a strike against him. Mm -hmm. And then he did make the trade for Russell Wilson, which is right now an awful trade. Oh, gosh. You know, so you gave up the farm. Not only did you give up the farm, but he's got a, you, you can't even get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the contract is so bad. So... Mm -hmm. That's a double whammy. Mm -hmm. You know, so how do you overcome that? You know, that that's so like I said, is is there another presence in the building, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, that is more responsible for some of this stuff than George? Yeah. Well, you know, we know that John Elway has had a reputation for meddling, and sometimes it's worked in favor of the organization. He was the primary pe person in acquiring Peyton Manning, and they won a Super Bowl under Peyton Manning, although Manning was a, was a shadow of himself uh, by the time uh, he came, and there was a, a team that won primarily first and foremost with defense. And, of course, Manning's leadership uh, stands for a lot. 
Uh, Jordan asks uh, to Greg, by all outward appearances, it does indeed seem George solely steered the ship in acquiring Russell and hiring the next head coach. I, I agree. I agree with what Jordan's saying. Right there, he goes from outward appearances. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But is there somebody inside the building that was really yeah. pushing that? Now, personally, you know, I've known George a long time, and I know he's turned down a lot of jobs. Why would he take that job unless he had that authority and control? Right, you would think. You know, yeah. So that, but you know, Elway was the GM. What's Elway's role now? Mm -hmm. He's still drawing a paycheck. And was Elway involved in the interview process? And was and, and Elway was real tight. He had the, the, the former owner's family, you know, controlling that team. And Elway had a strong voice with them. Now, I'm not saying I'm this is hypothetical because I don't know the answer. But now you got, you know, the Walmart people buy the team, they pay four billion dollars, and the team sucks. So, you know, it, it, it just stood to reason. They're like, hey, this doesn't, we're, we're not going on like this. We paid $4 billion. We're changing it. We're going to get our people. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. J2K wonders, uh, getting back to the Bears, uh, which teams do you realistically think, realistically think would trade up for a quarterback? Well, let's start with the Colts. You think the Colts are and Ballard are going to say, okay, let's screw this thing. Let's start over. Let's get our quarterback and build around them. Um, knowing Chris the way I do, uh, he might move a couple slots. I don't know if he'd want to move four mm -hmm. if they're if, if if they're at six. And again, I think some of it would be, you know, you'd go into that draft saying we may want to move up mm -hmm. and, and try to, and, and, you know, put the, the wheels in motion before the draft, but not necessarily make a trade. And then depending on what Houston does, because it's, it's who's it's how they rank the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who's number one, the quarterback that goes number one might not be their number one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, you know, did, did um, was Trey Lance and, and the BYU kid were they ahead of, of Justin Fields on the Bears board? Boy, I'm gonna guess no, but okay, yeah. but uh, well, a lot of but see, it's gonna be different, yeah. It's a given that Lawrence was the number one QB, but how did the other teams have him rated? Mm -hmm. and, and 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 just because Mel Kuyper hasn't rated some way, that doesn't mean the teams haven't rated mm -hmm. certain ways. So it it's that's going to play into it. And then you know, let's say the guy, let's just say Houston takes the kid from Alabama. Okay. Yeah, and so that gives the Bears a shot at at either defensive player and Chris would know that. So if he wants to move, he go, then I'd go to number three, the team pick a number three, which is Denver, which, you know, I don't think would take a quarterback. They probably, because of all the money they got thrown into to Russell Wilson, 
Mm -hmm. you, you never know. Um, but if George is still there, and you know, he's the guy who made the trade, so I think he's going to give it at least one more year. Mm -hmm. And what's this? Is this as of today? As of today, yes. The, the Texans are picking first. The Bears are second. Seattle uh, from Denver would be picking third. You think right. Seattle would be interested in moving up a slot? Oh, that's right. Seattle's got it because of the trade. The um, Seattle might, but why? That, that's like the Bears trading up for Trubisky. <laughs> why would they do that unless they thought, you know, Say Indy wanted to go to uh, Chicago. Indy could go to Arizona. They could go to Seattle. It depends what 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 you know. You do your your research, right? And we could sit here and say, "No, they're not going to do that." Well, we're 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 only halfway through the process, mm -hmm. and it's you got to get through, you got to get into these kids' heads and you find, and, and the interviews are very important. Private workouts are very, very important. And then if the quarterbacks, yeah, I think that their tape does not say they're worthy of being, say the first two picks in the draft. Right. I'm not saying they're not talented guys, right. but that can change mm -hmm. because you're going to get driven because you're going to have a team driven. And I got to have a quarterback. And so, you know, we're sitting here. It's still December. Yeah, it's very early, man. It's fun. Yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna know more about this in March and the first week of April, mm -hmm. and then you're gonna find out. Okay, who's hot and who isn't? Mm -hmm. And there's gonna be names like like Tyree Wilson. I think he's gonna be a hot name. Yeah. And Dave Brugler, like I said, had him his number nine player or number eight player in his last ratings, whatever it was, it was eight or nine. Then. Um, and where, where's – um? keep going down there a little bit. Who's got 10? 10 is yeah, – Houston, Houston's at 11 right now. Yeah, one and so 11. That, if Cleveland loses another couple games, oh. see, Houston can move up to maybe seven. Mm. Or not seven, to, to – yeah, seven, maybe six or seven around in that area. And, and then Houston can say, well, I'm going to take – the best player mm -hmm. at number one, and I'm going to get my quarterback, or maybe I trade up from that to get my quarterback. You follow what I'm saying? So all I that do. stuff got to be figured out. So it, it's not you – know, everybody says, oh, we're sitting at two, and people are going to want to trade up. Mm -hmm. So go back in history and look at how many times – look at how many times people traded up for the second pick. Yeah. Uh, and and J2K's follow-up to that, is, he says the point of his question is that he doesn't see teams trading up with the Bears for a quarterback this year. He thinks that the Bears will be drafting at second and taking either Anderson or Carter, which is a legit uh, argument or speculation. And, and, and what I'm saying is that they might not have a choice because one of them may go to Houston at one. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, and that Houston – may say, I'm taking a quarterback with the other pick. Mm -hmm. And like I say, move. Because that they very well could pull that off. Right. Uh, and uh, Stephen has an interesting question. Do you think even uh, Chris Ballard would even want to do business with the Bears? Why not? Uh, Ryan Poles well, worked for Chris Ballard. So they're buddies. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, – uh, Poles worked under Ballard for four years at Kansas City. 
Yeah, I'm assuming that the motivation behind his question is the fact that Ballard has nothing but, you know, I know that jerk off at at the Bears blog, you know, he has nasty things to say that Chris is anti-Bear. The farthest thing from the truth. Okay. Tons of respect for the, he has a ton of respect for the organization. All right. I believe uh, Greg Gabriel over just about anyone on planet Earth. So. So, all right. Um, I think that's a, that's probably a good point to close this episode of, of Gabriel Talks Football. Greg, we've got a game next week against the Detroit Lions. I'd love to say that we're definitely going to win that game, but I don't know. This Lions team is stacked with talent. I'm still not an admirer of their head coach or their coaching staff, but uh, they have won more games than lost over the last six, seven weeks. You have any? I'd agree with you until they just did a total belly flop on Sunday. That was awful, awful. So and and it's like, where'd that come from? Mm -hmm. Because the arrow, what? In fairness, the arrow was going up with that team. Yeah, it was. Okay, and then they did a total backflip, and and so I don't know what the hell's going to show up now. It's you know, it's a home game for them, so you think they're going to they're going it might be the last home game cuz i haven't looked at their schedule you think they may want to go out in style at home uh, bears are still going to have they had what 12 starters out mm-hmm. six on each side of the ball last week they're going to get a few guys back but it's still they're they're undermanned i mean the detroit's a five and a half point favorite and they probably should be yeah i think if the lions and packers finished the season uh that could be a playoff game for them i I better double check that before i put a stamp in green bay or is it in uh detroit it would be in green bay don bird come on help us out you're a lions fan you should know this uh don says um greg belly flop we lost one one three and out of the last eight and they're playing for uh um so he's he's questioning your use of the term belly flop because they've lost one three out I don't know what that means, but <laughs> yeah, but they but they went to a team that's a, they went on the road to Carolina, which is a below average team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you got an interim coach, and they stunk. I mean, Carolina ran all over. Mm-hmm. I, I, I the if they had two hundred sixty yards in the first half, I guarantee you they had over three hundred yards rushing for the game, which, you know, and, and, you know, it, it's a fallacy to say that because one team ran on you, another team can run on you because teams make adjustments to, you know, in their game plan. Absolutely. But, you know, so who knows what's going to happen, but to me, it's concerning that they had been playing good and then they stunk in a game that they needed, you know, on Saturday. Right. Indeed. Um, J2K wants you to check out, if you haven't already, defensive tackle Kobe Turner from Wake Forest. He will be at the Shrine game like you will be, like I will be, and uh, another barroom person or two are hoping to get out there. So uh, that's going to be fun to take a look at these prospects. Kobe Turner, have you seen any? No, I haven't, haven't done him. All right. Well, we'll uh, take a look at him and report back to you, J2K, and everyone else here at the Barroom Network. This is it for our uh, this week's edition of Gabriel Talks Football. We'll be back next Monday talking about the upset 
the the Bears will have had over the Lions. The Lions do play at Green Bay that final week. So you know, I think one other thing. I think if they go and wanna go one and one, mm-hmm. and, and I, I might be wrong on this, the worst they can do is four. Okay. That, that they being the Lions or they being the Packers? No, no. I'd rather the the pick the Bears. If oh. the Bears go one and one, the worst I think they can be is the fourth pick. Wow, that's nice to know. That's nice to know because one of the quarterbacks, the quarterback that you were saying probably is the best in this draft is Will uh, Will Levis. 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 And so there may be well, a chance. I'm going to put – let's phrase it right. Okay. He's the most talented. Okay, does he have the numbers that the other two have? No. Yeah. Did he have – the last year he had a pro – Offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, who went back, who came from the Rams, went back to the Rams, and now Cohen's going back to Kentucky. <laughs> so they had a, a, a one year guy, they changed the offense a little bit. His offensive line a year ago was pretty good. Two of those guys got drafted this year, put on the Kentucky tape. He was running for his life all the time, and he didn't have anybody in the receiver core the year before. He had a you know a couple pretty good guys. So what people that I know around the league are saying, put this kid at Alabama, put this kid at Ohio state and his numbers might be off the chart. Yeah. yeah. You know, because of, of the natural traits that he has, yeah. but you know, young's a pretty good player. The only negative you really got on young is that he's tiny. You know, he might not be 200 pounds, five, 11 and a half. So he's got a, you know, he's he, he put it this way, not built like Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, of course, uh, Brock Purdy is making undersized fashionable again. <laughs> yeah, but he he's bigger than. Um, oh, he than is. Young. Yeah, is he? Okay. <laughs> uh, that's going to be. It. By the way, Foster is right. Well, it's uh, almost two hundred people have been watching this show uh, today on 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 YouTube alone. Uh, we've got hundreds more watching on Twitter. Give us more than seven likes. Come on, get to work. Yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, people, I got to call Pep. Call Pep, and I will uh, be in touch with you this week, and we'll see you next Monday, brother. Sounds good. See you later. All right, and just a reminder for everyone else, uh, it is Bears Country Podcast tonight. Take care, everybody. Happy New Year.